Well, happy Thanksgiving uh, to you guys here north and Gateway Branson online, wherever you're joining us. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like life is unfair? Come on. Sure you have, right? I have. You know, it's why we complain all the time, right? Life is unfair. Now, granted, some of our complaints are first world complaints, right? Let's be honest. I mean, like, like some of these tweets I saw, just had my praline spread confiscated at TSA Dallas. As far as I'm concerned, the terrorists have already won. <laughs> Hashtag hangry. Yes, horrible. Or how about this one? The Hilton doesn't even have almond milk in their breakfast buffet? Horrors. Oh, this is my favorite. Seriously, no Wi-Fi? Okay, Carnival Cruise Lines, we are not on speaking terms. Yes, the horrors of life. It's so unjust. But the truth is, we have all felt like life is unfair. And not just first world injustices either. You know, I know people right here at, at Gateway North who have had horrible things happen to them. I know people at Gateway Branson, you know, who have, who have lost everything, who have had seasons of living out of their cars. I know people right here among us who have felt grave injustice done to them just because of the color of their skin. I know people right here at, at Gateway who are adults, but they grew up neglected and abused as kids. I know others who were sexually molested as teens. I mean, we're talking serious wrongs and injustice and evils. I know adults who had everything going for them, parents who loved their children and did everything right and then lost a child and were devastated by it. I know people who were unfairly treated at work and fired for no real reason. I know people right here among us who were teased and mocked and persecuted for their disability. The truth is, the world is unfair. And all of us have our own version of the trials and tribulations of life and how life has been unfair to us. So, if you have ever felt like life is unfair, I want you to listen carefully to the words of Jesus today. Because truthfully, it gives us great hope. Everybody, no matter where you're starting from, gives great hope because what Jesus says has the ability to reorient every trial, every unfair act, every act of injustice to your advantage. So listen carefully. And think about it. The world's definition of success just makes no sense for most of planet Earth. Have you ever really thought about that? Uh, that, that the billions of people on planet Earth will never get a good education, not even a high school education, much less a college degree, that most on planet Earth will not own a, a, a car, much less afford a home. That most on planet Earth will just work to eat the next meal. And, and they have no chance at what our culture defines as success because of so much injustice that, that, that's like headwinds against them ever succeeding as we define success. And so how in the world do people really succeed? Well... In the world's version, they don't, but they can, because as we've been talking about, there's something beyond the world's economy. There is a new economy coming, God's kingdom economy, God's eternal life. And as we've been talking about in this series, it's real life. It's a real world, just like this world, 
but more real. How could it be more real? Because it's beyond our limited three dimensions of time, of of space and one dimension of time. It's life, just like this life, except experienced in new dimensions of time and space and loving relationship. And that's what we've been talking about. How do we live for the greatest rewards, not the ones that are just passing, because they're all passing. And what we're going to learn today is what makes sense out of all the trials and tribulations of this life. And that's why Jesus could make this ridiculous statement. It's ridiculous. He, he says to the people that no one cares about, the people who are treated worst in this world. In Matthew 5, he says, Jesus said this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. What? Because great is your reward in heaven. That's what we've been talking about, rewards in heaven. Jesus talked a lot about them, but you don't, never really hear them or think about them, but it's what makes this upside down world actually turn right side up. Jesus says, if you're poor, oppressed, persecuted, insulted, treated unjustly, these are actually opportunities for you to succeed. Maybe not in this life, but in the life to come. So rejoice and, and be glad because your chance of reward is great. See, Jesus turns this world's unfair ways upside down, or should I say right side up. Now think about it for a second. All of us are different, right? We are all different. We come from different backgrounds. We have different gifts, different races, different ethnicities, different family systems. We all have different starting points. You can't really compare yourself to someone else because they're not the same at all. And yet, we can all succeed in God's economy, according to Jesus. And in fact, Jesus is saying, you thought that the blessed of earth were the rich and the famous and the powerful, but in fact, they're disadvantaged. Kind of strange to think about. But here's what he's saying. He's saying they're disadvantaged simply because this, they tend to trust in those things more than God. And actually, the ones who have a leg up in this world for true greatness are the least and the unfortunate and the oppressed and the downtrodden who are faithful to God through all those trials and tribulations because they will be great, the greatest in the world to come. What it means is for all of us, it's an equal playing field. And and it's not about how much or how little compared to each other, that doesn't matter at all. In fact, it doesn't even make sense. We don't all start the same. We don't all end the same. But God knows where we start from and where we end. And it's how faithful you are to God through all the challenges and with all the opportunities in the life that he's given you uniquely. And you know what? That makes so much sense when you really stop and think about it. I mean, that makes sense to me when I think about my friends Kate and David. I got to know Kate uh, a little over a decade ago, um, Kate actually was brought to Gateway uh, by Desiree, who had come to faith here, and, and, and Kate found faith and, and, and started to really grow. And I got to know Kate and 
David, uh, they're now married, but most people don't even see Kate and David. And yet Kate and David uh, are people, just like you and me, smart, talented, industrious, very funny. They're just like you and me, trying to be faithful to God with what they've been given, both the opportunities and the challenges. So think about that as you listen to Kate and David's story. We just knew it was love at first sight. I Before I got together with Kate, I didn't really understand what a soulmate was. We both understand how to deal with the difficulties in our lives due to our disabilities. Yeah. 
You know, personally, I've been so inspired by Kate and David. I have one of David's paintings hanging in my office just to remind me, you know, that we all have our own version of trials and tribulations, and I don't understand theirs, you don't understand mine, I don't understand yours, but God understands it all, and he will be faithful to reward those who are faithful to him through it all. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that encouraging? I hope that's encouraging to you. Because God is fair. This world is unfair. But God is fair. And he promises it's how we go through it that God will reward for eternity. That's his promise. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says this. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And it's a different race for every person. Your race is different than my race is different than Kate and David's. For we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He's the one who gets us in to this race of faith, and he's the finish line. We keep our eyes on him. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people that you won't become weary and give up. Because let's be honest, it's easy to become weary and want to just give up. But we all have a race to run, and and God's the one who has laid it out for us. He's the one who understands it. And when you keep your eyes on Jesus, he's the one who guides you to the end faithfully. He's the pace setter. It's a marathon. It's not a short sprint. Jesus endured mocking and persecution and rejection and hatred and betrayal by friends and, and the people he was there to help nailed him to a cross, and yet he said, Father, forgive them. How did he do it? For the joy awaiting him. See, he saw what was to come, the reward to come. That's why he was able in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember the night before his crucifixion, he said, as you know, he was 100% God, but he was 100% human. And as human, he cried out to God, God, I don't want to go through this, but not my will but your will be done. And he did it for us, for all of us. And this is incredibly good news because all of us have been through times when life has felt unfair, unjust. You know, some of you are fighting disease or your family members fighting disease. Some of you are struggling with coworkers or bosses or with spouses. Some of you have been seriously wronged 
You've been put down. You've been persecuted for your faith. Some of you are just fighting demons of your own. And, and all the time we ask, why, God? Why? Why? If you're all powerful, why don't you just take it away? And I get it, I'll be honest. I have gotten stuck there for years in the why God question. But what I finally realized is he doesn't always give us the answer to why God. But if we'll turn our why God into a how God question. How God, how can I be faithful to you through this trial? How can I see your will done through this so good might come of it? He promises to reward that. He promises to reward that. And that's why Jesus would say rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven. I want to look at a few of the things that Jesus promises that will be rewarded eternally that no one may ever see. You know, John in uh, the book of Revelation, John was one of Jesus' 12 apostles, kind of in his life group, right? His inner circle. And, and John sees the risen Jesus, this brilliant man of light, brighter than the sun, not blinding, but captivating, eyes mesmerizing like loving flames of fire. And in Revelation 1, John says, I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His hair on his head was white as wool, white as snow, his eyes like blazing fire, his feet like bronze glowing in a furnace, his voice like the sound of rushing waters, his face like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And Jesus says to John, write down this message to seven churches. These are seven churches representative of those who would follow Christ throughout the ages. Listen to what Jesus says he sees and will reward. Revelation 2, 3. I know your deeds, he says to the church in Ephesus. I know your hard work and your perseverance. You persevered, have endured hardship for my name, and have not grown weary. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Think about this. When you do the right thing to honor God, and no one notices, when you do the right thing and, and, and you keep at it, but you know, maybe you even endure hardship because of it. And you wonder, is it worth it? It is worth it. It will be worth it. And that should encourage you because sometimes just hanging on and enduring and doing the right thing, it's tough. But it will pay a reward. And in fact, whatever you're going through, go through it with God and great will be your reward. That's God's promise. Now, honestly, one of the challenging things about this teaching is, is these rewards. Because, you know, Jesus talks about if you're victorious, you'll eat from the tree of life. And, you know, some of us are thinking, why would I want to eat from a tree of life? You know, what's a tree of life, you know? And, and the, the rewards, we, we can't really picture them. And, and, and so maybe not, we're not that motivated. So the tree of life was, on the one hand, it was what we were banned from eating in, in the Garden of Eden, but apparently it will be in heaven and we'll be able to eat from it. And then Jesus is going to talk about other rewards being crowns, all right? Which, forgive me, Lord, but uh, I never really wanted a crown, honestly. Oh, come on, you've thought the same thing, right? And, and see, this is part of our problem is that we, we picture the rewards uh, not metaphorically, literally, and, and they don't sound that appealing. Like, okay, so I'm going to go through a life of hardship and injustice and persecution and be faithful to you, God, and as a reward, I'm going to get an apple and a tiara. Great. <laughs> right? It's like, 
you've thought these things, right? It's just not that motivating. But the problem is we're not thinking right about this. We misperceive heaven, heaven's rewards. And I think it's why so many Christians give up or give in too soon. They don't endure. Remember Jesus said the world to come is life. It's life like this life, but more. It's, it's beyond. It's more real. It's more tangible. They're better rewards. So instead of trying to figure out a one-to-one correspondence, like, okay, if I endure, I get an apple. No, that's, that's a bad uh, analogy. I don't think Jesus gave us enough information to do heavenly risk-reward scenarios. I think instead we got to see them as analogy. The tree of life is a taste of God's life. Now, uh, imagine tasting as much joy and love and excitement of life as is possible. I mean, I've had little taste of joy and excitement and the thrills of life. Have you? Of, of how great love can be, but it always fades. But imagine all that it could possibly be tasting the life that God experiences. Or crowns. You know, in Jesus' day, crowns were Olympic medals. That's what they got. Instead of a, a medal, they got a, a, a crown. So, you know, think about it this way. Uh, you know, an Olympic medal is not really worth much. It's a little chunk of gold on a ribbon, right? But what's it worth to someone who did the hard work and, 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 and ran the race and finished first or second or third? It's worth everything. It's fame, it's glory, it's fortune, it's honor, all symbolized by a little medal. And that's what a crown is. It's symbolic of authority and honor. You may never be honored in this life for, for the good you do. But when you're faithful to God through the trials of life, you'll be honored by the one who's the only one who counts in the end. Jesus said in that passage, you endured hardships for my name. You know, just think about some of the stuff going on in our, in our country right now. The racial hatred and the political divisions and the way things are just spiraling and downward. And yet Jesus says, right after he says, blessed are the poor and the oppressed and the persecuted, he goes on in Matthew 5 and says, and I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And this is crazy thinking, right? In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? But if you learn to love those who hate you, there's great reward. Now, I think about Tasha Morrison, who was on our staff uh, for, for uh, this past year, grew up enduring racial hatred. And yet instead of letting it turn her bitter, she decided to start teaching Jesus' principles of reconciliation to try to build bridges and, and started a nonprofit called Be the Bridge uh, that has been doing so well. She had to leave our staff to, to go and do it full time. Ebony Magazine just recognized her for the work of reconciliation that she's doing. Or I think about my friend James uh, who told me about he was doing well at his company for years, and then he gets switched to another team, and for whatever reason, his boss didn't like him. In fact, his boss said to him, James, I don't know what it is, but I just don't like you. <laughs> That's kind of hard to deal with, right? And it affected the whole team, and he said it was a horrible, tumultuous experience. 
I had to take every break and every lunch break just to pray. I seriously hated going to my job every day. But no matter how much I prayed, I felt like God kept telling me to stay. In retrospect, he said, I'm eternally grateful for that experience for many reasons. It taught me many lessons about being able to find truth in the midst of situations like this. I learned how to seek God in the midst of storms, and he used that storm to change me instead of changing the storm. I'm grateful. See, we all go through different trials and tribulations. I don't understand yours. You don't understand Kate and David's, but God understands them all. He does. And whatever you have to go through, when you go through it with God, his promise is he will reward it. And great is his reward. To the Christians in Smyrna, uh, Jesus says this, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I'll give you life as your victor's crown. If you've ever felt oppressed or impoverished, you can't seem to win, you know, you feel like you keep getting pulled down. He sees, he knows. And when you're faithful, he promises you will succeed. Isn't that good news? And then he adds, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Are any, any of you suffering or hurting and you're feeling alone? He promises you're not alone. Stay faithful to God even through the suffering. Don't make the mistake of, of, of seeing the broken evils and sufferings of this world as God. They're different. We live in a world that is not going according to God's will. That's why we have to pray, your will be done in me. Because it's not done throughout the world. But it will one day be done. And you keep your eyes on Jesus who also suffered. And lean into him through it. And his promise is true life and lasting reward. You know, I know, know a woman from another country who uh, connected to us through our internet campus. She's bedridden. Um, in chronic pain. Uh, she constantly is fighting depression and feelings of worthlessness. And I get it. I would be too. You would be too. And uh, she started attending on our internet campus and reached out for prayer. And our, our prayer team uh, prayed with her. And you know, I'll be honest. It's like, it's confusing because sometimes God heals. Sometimes he doesn't in this life. But there's still hope. And I was able to tell her, you know, when you're struggling and in pain and yet you turn to God, it counts. You know, and, and I'm convinced when she holds on to hope that God promises and to his promises, that counts. When she prays, because she, she uses her time to pray for others. And when you pray for others, that's doing work eternally. And it counts. Whatever you have to go through, go through it with God. Great is your reward, he promises. And to the Christians in Thyatira, Jesus said this in Revelation 2. I know your love and faith, your service and perseverance. I know that you're now doing more than you did at first. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I'll give authority over the nations. God promises great reward to those who persevere in faith and love and service. Are you growing weary, you know, in love? Are you growing weary in service? Don't. These are the people God's going to put in charge of the world to come. And isn't that good news? I mean, can you imagine being, having, having those who are in charge doing so out of faithfulness to God and out of love and service to humanity as opposed to out of 
ego and dishonesty and self-interest, that will be a great, a great world, won't it? And just think when you love others who are difficult to love, when you persevere through a difficult marriage situation, you don't just quickly throw in the, in the towel because it's, it's tough, but you lean into God and you say, God, teach me to love like you love. Teach me to serve like you serve. When you steadfast offer service to your, to your children, to your family, to your elderly parents, to a disabled person, to a, to a co-worker in need, God sees all of that. And all of it, none of it will go unrewarded. He promises that. It counts. You know, I remember uh, Kathy and I met a very angry, cynical, uh, agnostic woman who had started coming to our church in the early days. And we were trying to embrace her and love her and be kind to her. And she was very cold. And then I found out why. She emailed me. I was looking at my email late one night and I realized Linda was suicidal. And in the email, she opened up about how she had been abused uh, growing up and had never felt lovable. And then she meets this man who she, and she falls in love with him and they get married. And then she finds out he's cheating on her and it just broke her heart. And he begged her once he was caught to, take, to forgive and take him back. And she finally got it within her to forgive and to take him back. And just as her heart and her trust is starting to heal, she finds out he's cheating again. And she divorced him. And that's when someone invited her to come uh, to Gateway. She didn't believe in, in God. She felt hopeless. And she was writing me because she was going to take her life. And I realized that. And I, I prayed for her. And I was like, God, what do I say? This is critical. And the thought popped into my head, Hebrews chapter 11. It's my favorite chapter. One of my favorite chapters It's about all the heroes of faith who went through all these horrible things, but they were faithful to God and he said it counted. And I thought, I can't say that to her. She didn't even believe in you. That's not gonna help. And, but I, I had this wrestling match with God and finally, I did write that. And listen to what she wrote back to me. She said, I don't know why it means so much, but when you said that God sees and to him it counts, that hit me. I used to ask, what was my reward for forgiving and trusting again? Only pain. But perhaps if there is that God you talk about, perhaps he sees and it does count with him, that God would be worth checking out. And she did. And about three months later, she found faith in Jesus, got baptized, and found a new hope for living. And it's so encouraging to think about, isn't it? That when you persevere in love, and, and service, for, for, for God's sake, it will be rewarded. Are you growing weary in love? Are you growing weary in service? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the God who is love, on the God who served by laying down his life for you and me and every single human. Let him be your motivation. Well, there's another unseen struggle not often talked about in church. Sexual struggle. You know, what about my gay friends or my single heterosexual friends who struggle sexually and yet choose to honor God with their sexuality, choose to, to follow him? There's no reward. In fact, you're going to be persecuted and mocked in this world. I mean, maybe the only reward is you don't get an STD. <laughs> That's a reward, I guess. But listen to what God says. You know, one day I was out 
you know the YouVersion Bible, you can listen to it. It'll read to you. And I was out having a day of solitude and I was listening to the book of Isaiah and, and near the end, this just jumped out at me. It's God speaking. Now to understand this, Jesus said, you know, a eunuch is, is someone who is sexually celibate. And he said for three reasons. One, some are born that way. Some are made that way and some choose to be that way out of honor for God. And look at what God says through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 56. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs, the sexually celibate, who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, who hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. What's better than sons and daughters? I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And you can't even begin to understand what this reward is like until you understand that the temple of God is not like we would picture. This is like the first wonder of the universe. This is the place of greatest beauty and power and feelings of love and joy and ecstasy. This is where everyone will want to be forever. It's the place of greatest intimacy with God, the great lover of our souls, the one we've always desired but never realized it. And he says, you honor me and I will give you a memorial, a place of importance in the greatest place in the universe and a name. A, a, a name is personal. And he, Jesus says, it's a name that only you and I know. In other words, this is an intimacy that endures forever. An intimacy with the one that makes all other intimacies look trivial and boring and unfulfilling in comparison. See, the truth is, you guys, there's nothing you ever do out of motive to please God that won't be rewarded. Isn't that great news? And you can't really even imagine the rewards except by analogy. That's why Jesus just gives analogy. But I wanna tell you the one analogy that helps me the most, and I wanna leave you with this. Think about all of the honors and the rewards and the material blessings and the power and the glory and the ecstasy. Think of all the things we live for on planet Earth and now imagine that all of them exist on this flat black and white two-dimensional screen, all right? So all the things we live for are really a flat black and white earth. And death just means separation, right? So when you die, imagine you're ripped off of this flat black and white two-dimensional screen and you're brought out into this world of three dimensions in color in this room that were all around you, but you didn't even know they were there because you were limited. And now you begin to experience life beyond that flat black and white. You experience colors and you experience new sensations and new dimensions. And now you can see this old flat world for what it really is. And imagine if you had to go back and try to describe the rewards of three dimensions of life and color. And that, I'm convinced, is what the rewards of the world to come are going to be like. That all that we live for here is just a flat black and white representation of life. And when we're there, it's going to be home. It's going to be what we wanted. And that's why we should live for the greatest reward. So friends, whatever you're going through, God sees, God knows, go through it with God. Great is your reward. As we close, I'd like to 
just have us sing a song together, uh, if you don't mind. Would you stand and let's sing about the reward and the love that never ends. And then we'll close in prayer.